0: Oh, welcome to Made Education Matters with Matt and Matt. This is Matt. I'm Matt, too. We were just having an off-air discussion of words.
1: That all words are made up. All words are made up. But you know what's not made up? What is not made up, Matt? The bills that we're going to talk about today. What you just heard, folks, was a professional transition. Been doing this a while. We are professionals. We're going to talk about testimony today. something other than this. <laughs> yes, I'm not sure what it is, but yes. Let's talk about testimony for February 20th. It was a Wednesday. It was. It was lovely. It was during February vacation. Uh, yes, it was. For main schools. Lots of folks were out in places like Florida, maybe even Nebraska. Maybe. The, the possibilities are endless. Middle of America.
0: Let's talk about testimony about LD-225 first. Because this one talks about, speaking of going places... This is an act regarding transportation management software and school bus replacement. Can't go to Florida, Nebraska if all your buses are broken. Nope. That you can't. So let's talk about testimony on this one. There was a little bit.
1: Sure. Not let's a lot. Get into it. Not a
0: lot. So mainly what this is gonna do is what the act is gonna do. Let's talk about this one first. Because uh, I remember when we previewed this one, it was like eh, okay. Uh, You can replace the buses if it has 150,000 miles and been in operation for 10 or more years. And Mm -hmm. you don't require an SAU to use a specific brand of routing and transportation management software. And I I was always trying to figure out, why are these in the same bill? Because these seem like different things. They're in the same section of MRSA 5401. Mm Mm-hmm. Section subsection fifteen and subsection eighteen respectively. So I assume that's why it got stuck in there. So let's talk about testimony. Let's talk about it. I love reading about this stuff because I I don't have the first clue about this one. So I love to 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 uh, learn about these things. Yep. So basically, the MEA says, uh, yeah, we're we're okay with this one, um, but really it talks about being a bus driver, and then the, the management software. But it doesn't really talk about replacing a buses. So I thought that was a, kind of a strange one. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna go right by that one. Uh, another one is uh, presented by Representative Perkins, who uh, was the sponsor of this one. So it talks about a predetermined software application called TransFinder. This is all the stuff that I don't have any clue about. Uh, the cookie-cutter approach doesn't facilitate a good fit for all bus systems. They should be able to be flexible and pick one that works for you. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. And the other one uh, talks about a little bit about how the state is actually tells you which buses you can replace and which ones you can't. But some of the ideas behind this was who better knows the actual fleet of buses in a district better than the transportation manager in that district knows which buses are good and which ones are not. Some of them, uh, some of the testimonies talking about, well, I'm forced to replace this bus, but I think that one works better than this other bus that I've got, which is a piece of junk. Right. And buses some of them said they, they drive everywhere, right? Yes. In all types of weather. All types of weather. Those all, types as, yeah, all types of conditions all types of rusted out like you wouldn't believe. Oh I was,
1: I was I was talking to with our someone recently, I believe it was our transportation director or CTE director and said just and the difference in now it was just salt or sand, but now the brine that they're putting down is causing the undercarriages to rust. Like at an even more accelerated rate. This is information I did not need to know. No, not really. But then what I did that day is I went and got my car washed and I paid extra for the undercarriage. Oh, yeah. I absolutely did. <laughs> you always want to pay for the undercarriage. So we uh,
0: th- basically, everybody's in favor of this one uh, that this is a good idea, except for the state DOE. Yep. They didn't like this. They didn't at like all. it. They're like, "Uh, no, no, we we, we do this for a reason. Um, uh, We do this for a reason. (laughs) I actually couldn't figure out what the reason was other than this is the way we do it. Something about a rarely applied scenario. And it says we're not really getting type D school bus requests to purchase and subsidize anyway. Uh, A lot of it went right over my head. But it was like, Uh, we've always done it this way. We want to keep doing it this way. And the transportation directors are like, no, we we want to replace some different buses because they're unsafe, but you won't let us, according to what statute says. And then one person had some pictures of their rusty old buses, which was like, oh, my God. Hey, visual visual aids help. Oh, it definitely definitely helped. I just don't want to see, again, having (laughs) the, oh, Uh, we only transport, you know, 75 kids a day a couple of times on these rusty old buses that the
1: state won't let us replace Mm. so so yeah i'm like i i don't know where that's going of course but this is this is one that i i do not feel comfortable really weighing in on no i'm not going to weigh in on that one either no but
0: you know if the if the buses do rust out there is there is some good news though oh what's that ld441 An act to reduce childhood exposure to harmful ultraviolet radiation by allowing students to use sunscreen in school. So those kids, instead of using the buses, they just walk to school. They walk to (laughs) school. You know? And they're going to be safe because they're putting sunscreen on. And again, I learned something with this one. We made fun of this one like like you would believe. We mentioned
1: it in the titles, yes.
0: Titles episode. So right now, and the reason is, and this is the thing that I learned. Obviously... Kids had to have notes before to do to use sunscreen in schools, mm-hmm. which this takes away that that you don't have to have a note anymore. That was the whole point of the bill. It's because the Food and Drug Administration classifies sunscreen as an over-the-counter drug. So students must have expressed permission to use it at school or any school-related function. This strikes me as an oversight, says Senator Kathy Breen, who presented this. And I am certainly not alone. Uh, 17 states have established policies to allow kids to use sunscreen in schools and then a lot to talk about skin cancer and how that all works and blah 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 but it just seems like a i didn't even know that you couldn't use sunscreen i faintly remember when my kids were in elementary school and gave them sunscreen to take and got a note back i think saying you can't use that in schools i'm like that's stupid and just kept doing it anyway because, you know, I try to teach my kids what's good and what's not so good. Sometimes, like, successful and sometimes I'm not. I just thought that was stupid. Yeah. That you can use sunscreen. But it's because, according to the FDA, it's a drug.
1: Oh, wow. That's that's one of those things that we never would consider. Like, okay, we, we slather my kids up before they go to school for that day. We wouldn't send it with them, though, because we're not allowed to. Or I had to send a note or whatever it was and plus send would, do I really want my, my five- or six-year-old to be trust her with a tube, tube of a sunscreen in there? I might just, just go everywhere. I don't know. But if you teach them well,
0: Matt, they'll know the difference between – There's a song about that. Between Gogurt and
1: sunscreen. <clears throat> the, the tastes are pretty much the same, though. The there nutritional were, value is different. It's true.
0: There were a couple of people who were against this one, and they're – Main arguments were uh, the negative effects of ultraviolet radiation are largely diet-related. What prolonged usage of sunscreens also damaged the human body. This should ultimately be a family role. What?
1: Yeah, it was huh? a lot of.
0: That's not a thing for schools to do. That's a thing for the family to do. Family to do. Okay. Yeah, that's a. I'm role. just not following the argument line.
1: I Me mean, neither, but. that that
0: was it so anyway we try to present what was there right right okay we're gonna be done with the morning because there were two other ones that were cultural cultural affairs we we, kind of skipped those yeah sorry we don't we don't have no culture on this show
1: no there's that we are we are we are culturally uh void (laughs) (laughs) it's aggressive but
0: true (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so, the next one, we're going to the afternoon of the 20th, and we've got five to talk about. Yep. We're going to talk about the first one, which is LD395, which was an act to protect access to outside of school enrichment opportunities. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, I didn't understand this one at first. was like, well, what is happening here? Right. And so... Uh, this was presented by
1: Representative Seth, Seth Barry. Barry. We did talk about this one on the titles, too, and you were concerned about this one because you didn't really know which way it was going to go.
0: Yeah, Seth Barry was a, formerly on the Education Committee, a strong proponent of education, former educator. Um, yes. So it was like I was very interested in seeing what this was. Yes. So as I was reading this, um, blah, 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 blah. We are standing in their way when his son was invited to a Nike competition in Oregon, 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 Oregon.
1: There's no e at the end of Oregon. Oregon, Oregon. Okay, so in... Oregonians live in Oregon. Was oregano from Oregon? Oregon? No. Oregano? Origami? Should we do some word association? <laughs> We're going right around the world now. So anyway. Uh, oh, great.
0: Testimony. There we go. <laughs> Back to testimony. Uh, it basically said uh, Nike sent them a form asking for permission of the AD in their school district for, uh, for them to, a, to, to attend. If the coach could go and if Nike could pay for it. So at this point, I still don't know really exactly what's going on. But basically, the coach couldn't go because of the main Principals Association rules for high school sports. It was in that hands-off period for coaches that they, they try to promote that there are seasons, right? And you're, so you don't have year-round coaches, mm-hmm. basically, in schools. It uh, doesn't talk about private schools or anything, but this was, this was the kid's coach at the school – And it was at a time that would be illegal for the coach to basically talk to the kid in a sporting capacity. Yeah, so I'm like, okay. And so the MPA said, no, you can't go. If you go, you'll be suspended. And some coaches have been suspended for this type of thing. And I think the point of this was that's stupid Let's change that rule. Okay. And,
1: that, and that's all I got. So that's really all I got.
0: Yeah. So there's a little bit of testimony on this one.
1: Well, I think the most important testimony is that of probably the main principles association, given that a lot of this has to do with things like coaching and things with extracurriculars in that particular way. So here's their quote.
0: LD 395 is an unnecessary and counterproductive proposal that it would insert legislative judgment over policy approved by 153 public and private high schools of Maine. Again, mic drop. Walk out of the room. (laughs) Yep. And it's funny because they – that's the end of it. But they say at the beginning, the first part – it appears to be unnecessary or not even applies to representative Barry's situation. Okay. Burn.
1: So, and the second one, <laughs> oh, it would know
0: vo- it would void an MBA policy known as known as the sports season policy, which I kind of just talked about yep. a second ago about you did. Um, um, contracts with coaches in right. a public school. It doesn't present, prevent any private coaches uh, from doing this sort of thing, but just not a school coach. So the MSBA and MSSA also oppose this one because we support and rely on NPA and its role as coordinator of high school athletics. No surprise there. Yep. And that's really it. That's it. That was all there was. There was testimony by the lead co sponsor, Senator uh, Louis Lucchini.
1: Louis Lucchini. And his- I taught with his brother. Really? Yeah. Down at Bonnie Eagle. That's
0: pretty cool a personal connection to this one how do you feel about this bill yes okay (laughs) uh yeah the out of season policy for public school coaches i understand the reasons behind it right there should be some exceptions like this type of thing which i think this bill is getting at yes but once you open up those exceptions a lot of unwarranted Un, un, what is unintended consequences. Unintended consequences. That's where I'm going, not unwarranted. Go. They're
1: warranted. They can be warranted. Some of them are warranted. <laughs> <laughs> True. Some are Some very are unwarranted. Uh, so but, but, but I think your, the bigger point there is there are exceptions to the rule. There will be exceptional times, and exceptional times calls for exceptional measures, and that's yep. where those exceptionalities should be made. But the exceptionalities should not necessarily be, become the norm. And I think that's probably what MPA is is really getting at, saying that this would make it more normed and it would be in violation of these other policies to do this. So probably not a good idea. And let us handle it and not legislate
0: it. Yep. Let's go to the next one. Let's do it. (laughs) This is
1: riveting stuff, I'm
0: telling you. So if that whole discussion didn't want to make you – Oh, please give me some coffee or something. (laughs) Well, falling asleep here. Either that or you just wanna like be done, right, by jumping out in front of a car or something. So L D four seventy is an act to provide traffic safety got nothing. education. I got, in nothing. I, got, I got nothing. And this one is amazing because there's more testimony in this one than there is anything else.
1: Yeah. So, this this was a this I, I could not believe how much testimony was there. I mean what thirty? Yeah. Yeah, there's thirty pieces of testimony? There's a Ton of it,
0: and it's it gives a here. Here's a lot of the I'll I'll summarize all this for you. All right, I can't wait. The people who are opposed to it are are the same type of people that have been opposed to all along, right? So, MSSA, uh, the curriculum leaders, uh, you can't legislate what what we're teaching in schools. There's a process for that, it's about the learning results. There's processes for that. We've talked about that in numerous times whenever this comes up, basically. So, they're pretty much
1: holding that line
0: of, yep, this is it doesn't matter what it is. Most of it's a great idea. We have a process for this one. We have a
1: process. So our teachers have a lot already on their plate. and Let's figure we, out we, what we, it actually is. Let's figure out what it is and figure out how we can encourage our schools to go through it through the process while not having to mandate it through legislation. So That's here's, the opposite side.
0: Here's the four side.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: and I, I don't want to sound this belittling to anybody, but most of the fours were, I've been in an accident as a pedestrian or a bicyclist and
1: therefore we need some we need to teach our kids. So it took the personal experience and yep. made it to the micro into the macro.
0: Yep, which is, is fine and fair and I'm not trying to again belittle any of them. No, 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 no. It's It's it, like I got hit by a car, therefore we need to teach all of our kids this about traffic safety and bicycling safety and you know, raise your hand to turn left. That and that, sort of yeah, and as
1: we've said before, it's, it's it's not that the content is is not valuable. We absolutely need totally. to teach our kids this stuff. Then and, and and there is a time and a place for it. I think the bigger question is, to what extent does it get legislated in, or does it go through a process, or is it is it is it part of what our, our requirements are? This would make it a requirement. And if it's then a requirement, my questions as I always come back to, who's paying for it? Um, it's gonna be it's gonna take the place of something. So. If we have to put time into this, we're taking time away for something. What are we taking time away from? Are we now then trying to create a system of teaching that's going to be more focused on breadth, just giving a basic foundation of stuff and not going deep with anything, which is kind of the opposite of what a lot of us are trying to do in education, to have our deep, deep thinkers and critical learners. Well, so this, this how are you going to pay for it?
0: Speaking of some deep thinking in this one, remember this bill, all it requires is one hour one of, hour of traffic safety education annually. One hour in a year. One hour in a
1: year. And, and uh, r- remind me about some things about learning. How deeply and thoroughly do you learn something, getting it once an hour per year? You you're, you're, uh, uh, have expertise. I don't like to say anyone's an expert at anything because there's always more to learn. But you have a significant amount of expertise on learning. What would you say about deep learning of something, understanding, thorough understanding of something one year, once annually. I would say... One hour once annually. I would say it needs to be at least 90 minutes.
0: Once you have did, that, it sets right in. I did right not in. see you going there. <laughs>
1: oh <No>, you didn't. <laughs> it sets right in after 90 minutes. It's not so, going to have any effect.
0: So here's here's part unless of you do th- unless,
1: you, unless you do something like, uh, for kindergartners, you know, red asphalt, blood on the highway. You know those old movies they'd show you at DMV? When you, do you yeah. ever, ever after watch those? Yeah, you didn't show your kids that? I, not yet. In kindergarten? They still don't. They still. I start them early. <laughs> you gotta know those things, kids. It's you know, we, kind of, we kind of save that for after the after the winter, because you know, i want to make sure they, they they learn how to slip slide through winter. Then once all that's gone, ah. then you say, oh, by the way, you need to be careful of traffic. Oh, okay. Oh, that and then, red asphalt, and blood on the highway.
0: There you go. And if that's an hour long, you're done. You don't have
1: to teach anything; just show them the videos. If you remember those videos, by the way, let us know online at Main Ed Matters or Main Education Matters. <laughs> okay,
0: let's just let's. I go go gotta quiet. bring a little levity too. Here's what I want to finish this one. <sighs> we do that in our schools anyway, for the most part.
1: A lot, a lot uh, of schools do. Whether
0: it's PE class or not. Now that that happens, yeah. we we talked about the the walking school bus. Yes. That that a lot of districts have. If you're if you have that capability
1: to have a walking right. school bus,
0: that happens. That stuff gets talked about all the time.
1: Yeah, that's and that well, the issue is urban versus suburb versus rural. Absolutely, that's the big issue Absolutely. here: is urban versus rural. And and to what extent are you going to make this a bigger issue in a rural situation where you know 100 of your kids take the bus to school and there are no sidewalks anywhere in your in your town mm-hmm. because there's there just darn any. So what do you do then? How do you, so it's going to change things? So I don't know. Let's go to the next one. Then. Let's go. Uh, yeah,
0: let's go to LD one sixty seven, which was an act to prevent food shaming in Maine's public schools.
1: This one actually got a lot of press. I saw
0: it did. Well, food shaming is like a it's a thing, right now. The right? buzzwords. It's a buzzword. Yeah, you hear about this a lot because, um, I think the reason this got brought up the most. Is because people are hearing stories of some horrific things that some schools are doing to kids. Yeah, which is just pathetic and horrific and yeah. disgusting. And well, what are people thinking? We're educators. We're supposed to be helping kids, and all we do is punish kids. That's it's ridiculous.
1: It's 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 very upsetting. So I'm really I'm all
0: for this, and all of the testimony. Well, let me put it this way: almost all of the testimony, almost. Yeah. But. All of the written testimony here is all in favor of this one. It's obvious that you don't want to punish the kids for something like not being able to pay for their meals. Yes. You know, for God's sakes. It seems like the obvious thing, but it's not. So here's the weird part about this one. This is one I listened to one afternoon. Mm -hmm. Somebody came up and said... I am from the Maine School Nutrition Association. I may have those words wrong because there's no actual written testimony testimony for this one. He just went up and spoke, and he said he's against it. And for the next 45 minutes or so, I heard him talk and answer questions, and it was basically, I'm all for this, but how are we going to pay for it? And there are some numbers in here that talk about the amount of debt that school districts have, um, because of unpaid bills, right, and it is a very, very valid point. Is how are we going to figure that that
1: out? Um, but but isn't this whole point is to is to put it onto the communication to the parents, and not the kids, and not the kids. It's not the kids' fault. It's not the kids' not fault. The, and that's where all the stories, the horrific stories, right. were about. Calling kids so, out. So how would the argument, and I, we don't have any written testimony to go over this to to see, but how would what, what would that have anything to do with the kids? So
0: part of the part of the amount of the money that we're talking about uh, came from MSSA, who gathered some uh, data from some of the districts on what uh, how much uh, unpaid bill debt that they actually have for for meals, and to throw out some of the numbers here. Uh, Brewer had about $12,500 unpaid balance, Bridgeton about 23000 Freeport about 35000 Lisbon about $14,500, Scarborough about 8000 Augusta about 72000 It was 18 districts here that responded, and their total bill was about a third of a million dollars. Now it's mm-hmm. just 18 districts, so I'm sure these numbers are over a million dollars of unpaid Easily. debt. Easily. That somebody's got to pay for, right? And it goes back to your taxpayers. Because yes. it's got to be part of the budget. But it's not the kid's fault.
1: So, so then the argument is the only way to get the parents – was the argument the only way to get the parents to pay is to hold the kids accountable? That was the part that I couldn't believe what I was hearing.
0: One of the – I forget exactly who asked. I think it was Senator Millett, but I could be wrong. Asked him directly – so, in your opinion, sir, and I'm going to paraphrase this. Please, one, yeah, of course. A we, uh, couple weeks later,
1: of course. A couple weeks later, and, and
0: you are saying, sir, that shaming the kid is an effective way to collect those bills. And he kind of hemmed and hawed and backtracked a little bit, and then she said, "Sir, yes or no?" Answer, please answer my question. He said, "Yes, it's an effective strategy." Oh. And from there, I just wanted to like drive up there and be like, "What is happening?" Oh, really? Shaming those kids, calling them out, embarrassing them.
1: Oh, it's just it's just horrific. That 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 so oh, that, that is so. The whole incredibly thing was about, awful.
0: It, it was all about money, and I need to collect my money. And I don't care what happens to the kid. I got to get my money. And and, and it, I was yeah. I was like. I, I it did you, not you and I over well. you, you and
1: I agree that ed- education in schools need to be far more than that. Money is an important thing, but it should not be the end all be all of everything. There is something else there. There's human dignity. That's it, that's pretty important. As we talk about that. when we talk Civility. about uh,
0: when we talk about the things like the traffic safety one, we 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 rely on the. There's a process for this, right? Let's, yes. Let's put this out on the table and let's talk about this one. The unpaid bills for meals are a problem and it's growing. Yes. Let's figure out how to do that. And one of those ways is not, "Hey Matt, right. I see you're $30 in debt. Yeah. Over the school intercom. Get your butt in here tomorrow and pay me that
1: $30 or you get a
0: peanut butter and jelly sandwich, hold the peanut butter and jelly. Yeah.
1: And you get you get a scarlet P on your on your vest that says for 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 poor I was know. wondering what the P was for. Well, peanut butter, too. <laughs> oh, there we go. <laughs> but you know, so, but that that, that that just the whole idea is 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 antiquated and just, just just wrong and does not. It's just wrong. It's just wrong. It's just wrong. We shouldn't be doing that to kids. No, we should be not supporting
0: kids, not shaming kids. Anyway, we've got two more very exciting ones to to wrap
1: up our day. You know, let's 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 wrap it up because I am, I'm just I'm, I'm so excited about these. Well, here we go. This one's amazing. Which one are we on?
0: Uh, Let's go with 388. 388. LD 388, which is an act to recognize employee background checks conducted for out-of-state schools eligible for Maine tuition assistance. I, Matt, have three pieces of testimony. And that's it? And that was it. Uh, The reason this came through, this was one of those ones that say by request. So requested of a constituent. This was presented by Representative Ackley of Monmouth, one of our local representatives in RSU-2.
1: Your. Mine. Uh, Yes, yeah, mine. Not mine. You said our. Not mine. Not one of my representatives. Unless you want to talk about this, the greater state of Maine or humanity. Disson- representative Ack- Ackley right on the podcast. Not at all. He's just not one of. It's not mine. Not mine. Well, maybe he will be someday. If I move there. If he's Governor Ackley, Senator Ackley. That he wouldn't be my representative. President, he would be a senator President, or a representative President there. President or Governor Ackley. He wouldn't be my representative anymore. They're He's mad. president. He is. <laughs> We're clearly half an hour into this one.
0: So this one talks about uh, it's a. He says it's a very small bill that corrects a technicality that makes it impossible for Maine kids who have no high school in their community to attend high school out of state. And then he says you're going to hear from that actual constituent here, and talks about what happens. And. Here's the sponsor. His name is Daniel DeLuca of Aurora, Maine, and basically talks about their youngest daughter and wanted to go to a different school actually in Massachusetts, uh, the Dana Hall School, which is what uh, he says it's consistently ranked as one of the top 50 boarding schools in the nation. She was 12 when she wanted to do that. I'm like super good so far. So she goes through the whole process, gets accepted in last spring. The superintendent says tuition funds will be released because they're eligible. And then the DOE said, no, (laughs) no, can't do that. Come on. Because of a certain phrase written in a statute that requires all faculty and staff of Dana Hall School or any other out-of-state school that a Maine child is attending to be fingerprinted by the Maine state police. So Not this, the Massachusetts State This police. school had the Massachusetts State Police do that as part of their requirements. and This is exactly what we thought it was going to be. Yep, yep. It's a, it's just, he says, un- quote, unfortunately, because of a poorly written phrase, that is one of the unintended consequences of the original statute.
1: Well, the original statute also was also done in a time when technology wasn't as efficient as it is right now, where a, a background check or a... a uh, Fingerprint identification can be transferred and done via email instantaneously. It took several weeks to get official documentation together, and it was an incredibly arduous process. That time has changed.
0: I think it would have gone faster had that background check been written in cursive. (laughs)
1: In cursive.
0: But if it was, maybe that's delayed because nobody could read it. As long as you can link your letters. So, yes, that is absolutely. So this is really just what we talked about. It corrects a small technicality. I think it's a fine one, uh, and it makes sense. This is a yeah. good process because now you're affecting actual humans in the state with something that's like, well, that is just clearly an oversight.
1: That's not how it was meant to be, or if it, right. if it was meant to be, is that really what we mean it to be? Is, is the Massachusetts background check process that much different than our own? I hope not. I hope not either.
0: Well, those Massachusetts standards, though, you know, they're pretty rigorous. They
1: are, they are rigorous. It could be even said that they have a, a high ceiling <laughs> to meet.
0: I maybe maybe that you. ceiling could be...
1: It is my job <laughs> to transition.
0: LD206. <laughs> An act to raise the University of Maine system debt ceiling. So this one was one of the shortest... Actually, now they look at it. it Really, wasn't it? Cha- it changes one line though. It crosses off 220 million. It makes 350 million. And that that is raising it, and that that is definitely raising it. It's like, wow, that's a lot.
1: Oh, there's a fiscal note with this one too.
0: There, there is.
1: There is, and it says it increases the bond ceiling from 220 million to 350 million.
0: I thought I just said that.
1: You exactly did.
0: <laughs> I, I love writing fiscal notes. Then. <laughs> So this one actually had very limited testimony also. Not surprised there. But they're talking about why it's necessary, which was good because I don't know the first thing about debt ceilings other than uh, they're, they're just kind of dumb.
1: <laughs> or so. How do you po- really feel about pod- it?
0: The podcasts that I listen to say debt ceilings are just well, – What other podcast is there than this? Uh, true. We clearly, since we've been doing uh, – this is our 87th one of the week. Well, I know you know of at least one other podcast. That is, that is very true. It's a very good one, too, I would say. I, I, so. I haven't heard it. Download only. <laughs> so my question going into this was, <laughs> why do they need to raise the debt ceiling? What is the urgency and, and why?
1: And what did you learn, Matt?
0: I found out the answer for that one. So I'm just trying to find it here. Oh, current debt limit. This one comes from Ryan Lowe. Who's the University of Maine System Vice Chancellor for Finance and Administration? So Mm -hmm. I assume he knows what he's talking about.
1: This is this is his world. (laughs) Congratulations, and we're just living in it. Ryan
0: Low, he says the university. This quote now: the university's current debt limit, last raised by the legislature in 2005, is 220 million dollars, while our current outstanding debt is 151 million dollars, well below that. But we have several significant projects planned that would exceed that capacity before existing debt is retired. For example, blah blah blah. Then he goes through the
1: examples of what they're what they're planning, and I was like, "That's actually so they're using very the debt limit to pay for the things that they want to do to innovate their school, the system."
0: Necessary. Yeah, again, it's the whole system. Right. Which the I system. I think I passed on that the first time was okay. So what are they actually? What are they actually doing here? And they're talking about the scheduled paydown of current debt. They'll get uh, the current debt; they will get down to zero in the year twenty
1: thirty
0: seven. That's what it says. Uh, which is, which it's is. It's nice uh, to have
1: that written down, though.
0: Uh, well, I, I guess that's their job. So, but here are some projects in the current debt: residence hall upgrades, new health and physical education center construction, compressed natural gas heating system. More new residence halls. Wait, wait, wait,
1: Compressed natural gas heating system? Yes. Is that demonstrating a preference over forest products? Uh, yes. Okay.
0: And they're talking about new stuff like an engineering education and design center, a new University of Maine energy plant, new residential housing at USM Portland. Um, all of these places were... They're all over. It's not just UMA, it's UMF, UMFK, UMM, UMPI, USM. I think I got them all because they're all listed in front of me. But they're all <laughs> they're all trying to do something better. And, and it's not written in cursive, so we can read it. it that, actually, this is very, very printed, yes. Um, <laughs> I am all in favor of that, obviously. If, if they're planning on these things, they'll go out to bond and do the whole process. This doesn't automatically mean that all of these things are going to happen. Uh, right, but I like the idea because I currently have a daughter at the University of Maine. I'm an alumni of University of Maine, and the two campuses from back when I was in school to the way it is now look nothing the same.
1: Oh, so even
0: my favorite liquor store is no longer there. Oh. Oops. but there are lots of other good ones and lots of other places. But the whole campus of so, totally, when you want to totally share different. some of those for the students who listen. I think we talked about that when we talked about the GPA one. Okay, a podcast or two ago. <laughs> you can make those connections right now. So, I they, they always need to upgrade. They always need yes, to do better. And do. when they're constructing new residence halls, that means we have more kids going to college. Yeah, and for and, one, that's a huge thing, right there.
1: Well, I mean, a lot of a lot of kids make decisions about which schools they attend not just because of the the quality of the school, but because of the food and the residence halls. That's a big decision making point. So if we want to get people to want to get people to come to our state, we need to make sure we, we feed them well and we house them well. Seems fair to me. Yeah. All right, that wraps up whatever day we just That did. was a busy day on February 20th, February 2019.
0: 20th. Oh my god. <laughs> We've got another one. I just looked down. We still have We one
1: have one. another one. There's still one more that we're going to be covering in this <laughs> epic pod drop. Oh my lord. Um and so with that, we are going to do next. Uh, next pod we're going to see after this one in whatever order you're listening to this. In the order we're recording it, I should say, uh, testimony from February 21st. So until then, see you. Bye.